What happens when water is exposed to EMF or wireless radiation? Here's something you may not know. Water is conscious and it responds vibrationally to whatever it is exposed to. At Omnia we've done an experiment where we froze and photographed three samples of water. Water which was not exposed to EMF radiation, the baseline, looked like this. Water which was exposed to an EMF field, a 5G radiation field in fact, looked like this. And water which was exposed to EMF that is balanced by the Omnia radiation balancer looked like this. See the difference? Remember, your body is 70% water. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to come hang out with us at our conference this year in Grafton, Illinois, May 22nd through the 25th, tickets are still available at journeytotruthcon.com. If you can't make it in person, live stream tickets are available and day passes will become available on April 1st for locals and people who don't want to come for the whole time. On-site lodging is sold out, but there's plenty of hotels and Airbnbs, Airbnbs nearby along with on-site camping. Uh, so take advantage of that. We look forward to seeing you guys all there. Just a reminder, Hopewell Farm CBD is 10% off all products with promo code JOURNEYTOTRUTH10. That being said, tonight, our guest is Margie Kay. She's an author, a psychic, medium, remote viewer, host of UnX Radio. Uh, she's written seven books. She has. Uh, she's also a MUFON field investigator. And she's done has an incredible testimony, has an incredible story. She's helped solve over 60 homicides, thefts, and missing person cases for law enforcement, private investigators, and individuals around the world. Uh, and I'm excited to get into some of that's, that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I've listened to Margie speak a few times at some of the MUFON meetings I've used to go to. And I've taken Margie's remote viewing workshop a few years ago, which was also uh, really awesome. So welcome to the show, Margie. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thank you. you. Really looking forward to this. So I guess let's just dive right in and maybe you can help our audience understand how you discovered your ability to remote view and where that led you as far as helping law enforcement and private investigators find missing people. And, you know, we can go from there. Sure. I was found out I was psychic at a very young age. And I used that quite a bit. I uh, wasn't held back by my parents. They didn't really understand it, but they didn't discourage me. And they actually handed me some books by Edgar Casey, so I could really get an idea of what was going on. And I, I didn't feel so alone that way. And so I practiced that for years. And when I was about uh, 20, I started doing private readings for people. 
and just part-timed, you know, and earned a little extra money. And one day I had been working with a group of women who were attorneys and legal assistants, and they were all friends and they did things together. So they would come see me about twice a year and uh, kind of make a little party out of it, you know. So I knew these women fairly well. And then one evening, one of the ladies called me and said, can you please help me? My 14-year-old niece is missing. And she didn't come home, you know, off of the school bus today. And it was like 7.30 at night and she should have been home by three o'clock. And I said, sure, I will. I'll try to do that. And I'm just thinking to myself, how am I going to find this girl? And I just, you know, I had the phone in one hand and I kind of zone out and put myself in a light trance state. And um, just I kind of create what I call a dual consciousness where I'm using the left and the right side of my brain at the same time. So half of my brain is going into uh, a light trance state and the other half is fully conscious so I can talk to somebody while I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of difficult to explain, but that's how I perceive it. And I suddenly saw this line come out of my solar plexus and I followed it and I'm all of a sudden standing at a street corner and I looked up at the signs and I said, are these the signs? Um, Is this the street corner? Does that mean anything to you? She goes, yeah, that's her bus stop. And so I followed the line down a couple of houses down the street. I see this glow around a house and I knew that that was my destination. But the next thing I knew, I wasn't standing on the ground anymore. And by the way, I could feel the ground during this. So this was a form of astral travel is what was actually happening. And now I'm raising up above the house and going behind it. And there's a shed. So I, I went towards the shed and I'm looking through it now. And I see a girl, she's got duct tape on her mouth and she's tied up and she's knocked out. She's asleep. Wow. And so I'm, I tell the woman this and I, I gave her the address. I looked outside and I saw the address. She says, that's the house where we've already been. The detective went to that house and questioned the people at the door because this woman who was 30 years old had befriended this 14 year old girl. And she just lived two houses down from this bus stop. And they thought that was odd for a 30 year old woman to be making friends with a 14 year old. So they questioned them and then left. And I said, no, no, that child is in that the back shed. You've got to get back there right now. Because as I came back out of that, I went through the house and I I just looked in there because I wanted to, to see who those people were. And I saw a woman with long, blonde, stringy hair and two men sitting there. They each had a beer. They had drug paraphernalia out. And they were actually talking about this girl and saying how they were making $10,000 by selling her the next morning. And she was going to be shipped out of the country. So I tell this gal this. She says, I'm I'm going right now. She hangs up the phone. She calls me a few hours later and said that she called the policeman who had been working on that case. And and she said, I'm going back there no matter what. We're going to go look in the shed. And he said, well, I don't want you to go, but I'm not going to let you go by myself. So I'm going with you. They found the girl, rescued her, arrested the three. They were part of this big 
a ring of people who were kidnapping young women and selling them. So that's how I discovered how I could remote view. Now, there's other methods, and there's a method called controlled remote viewing. And, you know, remote viewing, of course, was used uh, by the CIA and in probably still is. Uh, they yeah. supposedly discontinued that program, but, no. you know, it works. And for me, that's how I've been doing it ever since. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's, that's amazing. And yeah. you've helped find uh, over 60 missing people at this point, if I understand yeah. that correctly. I just worked a case yesterday. So it's probably 65, 70 now. Uh, really? Missing people, homicide cases, solving homicide cases, and also big theft ring cases with, you know, with these car theft rings and things like that. And so I don't want to mention any particular ones because there are some very bad people involved in things like that. And uh, I always insist when I work with law enforcement that they never write my name down on anything. I'm not in a report. They can take Mm -hmm. full credit for everything. And, uh, and I don't want my name there. That's that's smart. It's a very smart yes. thing to do. Yeah. 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 That's very right. Smart. Yeah. You don't want your name tied to any of that. Um, if it's not necessary. Well, you put the target on your back. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess somewhere along the line, I guess you would say your abilities were enhanced and you started having communication with um Valiant Thor, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, that's that's it was as big a surprise to me as it would be to anybody. But yeah, um, how that happened was in 1985. I was living in Seattle with my brother and my two girls, and I was seeing a massage therapist because I'd had a back injury, and um, you know I'd been seeing him for about eight months or something, so I knew him pretty well. And one day I took my brother and my two daughters with me because we were going to go to the Seattle fish market after this uh, session was over and we were getting ready to leave, putting our coats on. And all of a sudden the massage therapist starts acting and sounding different. It wasn't him. And he said, would you like to try a light experiment? And my spidey sense went up and I knew something was going on and that wasn't him speaking to me. And I said, sure, I'll try a light experiment. And so he had me look at a green light for a few minutes. He turned that off, turned a red light on. I look at that. I'm back and forth, maybe a couple of minutes time. He turns it off and he says, now what do you see? And I looked up at him and I just see a skeleton standing there. That's it. It's him, but it's just his skeleton. And I'm trying to wrap my head around this you know, what the heck is going on here when this voice comes from my right and I look up on the wall and there's a man's head on the wall, this two-dimensional, and he had a helmet on that came down to a point in the middle and went down in front of the ears and covered his hair up. And he spoke to me and he said, I am Thor and now you have x-ray vision. And we're going to be doing work together in the future. I'll be in touch. And he's gone. There's no conversation. I don't know who this person is. I never heard the name Thor before. And he was gone. I looked back at the massage therapist. He's back to normal. I look over at my brother and my two girls. I said, 
did you guys uh, see that? And they're like, see what? Right. None of them had heard or seen anything. And massage therapists didn't even know what happened. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I didn't know exactly what this x-ray vision thing meant, but I would, I would eventually find out. I would find out when I was doing readings and I, and I had found that this is the case right around my birthday every year I get something new, some new, you know, ability. ability. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and it increases all the time. But while, so the next time I'm doing a reading, now it used to be that when I would scan somebody like for a health issue, I might see like a red area where the, something was inflamed or a dark gray area where there was a serious problem. But now I'm looking inside, I see the whole bone structure, I see the skeleton, and then if I want to see the organs, I see, actually see the organs. It's like looking inside the human body with a camera, literally is. And then later on, I discovered that I could look at a microscopic level as well and look in the blood, and I would see cells, and I would see viruses and bacteria and or, you know... Uh, just any anything that wasn't supposed to be there would stand out to me. So that has increased over the years, that ability. And now it's just absolutely crazy. I can look in machinery. I can look inside a truck or a car and tell what's wrong with it and where, um, or at least point out exactly where it is. I might not know what I'm looking at because... Like, for instance, for the human body with health, I don't have any training, medical training, but I can describe what I'm looking at. And then that person can go get, you know, advice from a health professional. They can go to the doctor or something and uh, and find out what it is. And so far, it's 100% accurate. So it's like absolutely. it's a, a medical diagnostic screening basically i uh, i call it an intuitive medical diagnosis and then i always give the caveat that this is for entertainment purposes because i'm not a licensed healthcare professional sure. right but i have also helped doctors and chiropractors solve difficult cases mm. where they might not know where a problem is coming from and i can locate it have you located like ET implants in people as well? Yes. You have? Yes. How often does that come up? Oh, quite often. Quite often? Mm -hmm. uh, I would say most of the population has an implant. Really? Really. Is there any specific spot in the body they usually show up or could it be anywhere? No, uh, they change. They change them. They switch it up. Some people think that they put them next to bones because the bones might act as an antenna, but I have seen them in various locations that don't seem to correlate with that. Really? And if you and if you have one excised, uh, taken out, they will come back and put two in in its place. Oh, really? So there's no point. So, wow. And I guess, so somebody, you've had people actually have them removed after being told that they had it and yeah. you and scan in, them. In some cases, the, the implant will actually remove itself and come through the skin and come out. 
um, in a few cases that has happened. And in some cases, it comes up to the surface and the person is so bothered by it that they just keep picking at it and picking at it and then they take it out. Almost um, like the body rejects it or something. It's like trying to well, pull its way out. I'm not sure if that's it, um, that I have heard of the body rejecting things like that. Like if you get a piece of metal somewhere, it'll eventually end up coming out of your foot. Sure. But um, I, I, I'm, I can't really tell exactly what that is. I have a feeling, though, that there's like an expiration date on these things. Mm. And they, they have and some sort of intelligence that's controlling it. And it's computerized. So... Um, it will remove itself uh, in some fashion. In fact, I had one happen to me uh, that way in 1987. Really? Yeah, I thought it was an umbilical hernia, and it was so painful. This little teeny tiny thing that felt very hard coming out of my navel. And I went to a surgeon, and he says, I don't know what the heck that is. It must be a hernia, but we're going to have to take it out. So I had a surgery the next day. They got me in right away, and that whole thing was extremely bizarre. And I ended up finding out that it was an implant when I remote viewed it later. Um, but that you know, they kept me in the hospital for three days for an outpatient surgery. It was only supposed to be a teeny tiny quarter inch or half inch cut, and I and it ended up to be three inches. And so when I remote viewed it later, I saw the doctor actually chasing this thing that had little legs on it and it was running away from him trying to grab it. And then he, and he finally grabbed it. And that's why uh, that occurred. Uh, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest taking, taking an implant out. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. So have you had any further contact with Valiant Thor since that moment? Oh, many times. Many times. Yeah, and many, whenever many... I want. So I guess, can you share with us anything that uh, significant that you might have experienced with him or any information he relayed to you that um, might be important for us to know? Sure. Uh, the He's a commander of a large fleet that is assigned to the Earth, mainly for protection. They've got several missions, but mainly to help protect the Earth from extraterrestrials who mean us harm or who are depleting the Earth of resources or um, abducting people. They're not supposed to do that. That is, There's an agreement that they're not supposed to do that. And so they, a few still get through anyway, um, but there are some who would actually want to destroy us and they're they're there protecting us. Um, he did tell me that he's been working with our major governments as far as creating a program that's a space program with weapon technology in order to protect the Earth and that we have uh, space stations up there now with this equipment. And so the they demanded that uh, the world help protect itself because it was time, because we have the technology to do it. And they gave us a lot of that technology as well. But there are also things we're not supposed to be doing to ourselves, like ruining the earth, for one thing. Right. Um, but then also nuclear is their main concern. Because yeah. every time we have done a nuclear test or dropped a bomb on somebody, 
it creates a rift between dimensions mm. and it has actually created tears that allow all types of entities to come in from other dimensions and a lot of them are not good okay. so uh that is a that's a problem but it it's not just a problem for the earth it creates a rift through multiple dimensions and affects other planets and other people and other beings and so this is one thing that's a big no-no in the universe and he told me recently that they will not allow nuclear war there's all this talk about nuclear war and you know they're just prepping us for this uh and the fear of it but they said they will they've already demonstrated They've mm-hmm. gone over every nuclear facility in the world and shut it down yep. with a craft hovering overhead so that they would know. I mean, you all know about Maelstrom and everything else. Yeah, uh, covered yeah. all that actually in the presentation. Okay. So uh, everybody knows that they have the ability to do that. And our military knows that. And they said they will just shut everything down. They're not going to let that happen. Right, right. They're not. It's not going to happen. I keep telling people that I'm like, it's never going to happen. They're it's not just it. fear porn. It's fear porn. Yeah, fear mongering. So this is the same. Did he tell you any information about um, visiting the Pentagon, spending time there? Was that true? Did all that actually happen? Oh, that was true. Yes, Doctor Frank Stranges uh, did mm. go visit him at the Pentagon, and he kind of handpicked Doctor Stranges. Because he knew that he would get the information out there. Dr. Stranges was a member of a lot, and he headed up a UFO group. And then he he was at all of these conferences that traveling around. Um, and he was very well respected. People would listen to him. So that's why Valthor chose him. And he, he actually saved his life. And Thor has saved my life at least three times. Uh, mm. I was very ill uh in in all three of these cases and uh i was thinking you know i'm getting ready to cross over i'm just i'm not going to make it and i said i'm just going to have to call in the big guns because i don't like to bother val thor because he's a busy guy you know he's got a lot Mm -hmm. of things going on there are a lot of contacts that he has around the world but um since I thought I was about ready to expire, I figured I better call him in. And the first time he appeared to me as a ball of golden light. It was about the size of a softball and it came out of the kitchen and came towards me and went into my chest. Well, that's where I was having lung problems. I had pneumonia and they could not get it under control. And I just did not want to go to the hospital you know, that was my next step because I couldn't breathe. And uh, I was instantly cured. Absolutely instantly cured. A hundred percent. No fever, no breathing problems, nothing. Wow. And so he, you know, he absolutely did that. He's done it before. He's also helped me out. I was, and this is a bizarre one. I was in Boonville, Missouri, doing a class and uh, at a convention and I was in a hotel room. Well, my sister went with me on this, which is something she never does, but somehow that worked out. When we got to our hotel room, I felt an energy on that floor. 
I just felt like there was something dark there and I assumed that it was a spirit. And so I just ignored it. And, you know, we went in, got ready for bed, lay down in bed and here comes through the door. And I, I really didn't believe in this beforehand, before I saw it myself was a seven foot tall dog man. He was transparent, but clearly visible ran over to my bed, jumped on my bed and got right in my face and growled right in my face with these big fangs. And I jumped out of the bed and my sister says, what's going on? I said, uh, you're not going to believe this, <laughs> but there's a dog think, man in here. You're going to think I'm crazy. And so I backed up against the wall and she goes, where is it? Where is it? And I'm looking around. I don't see it. And then from underneath the bed, I see these two hands with these long claws coming out, co coming towards my ankles. And I thought, okay, I'm calling Thor. Thor, <laughs> you need to help me out right now. And instantly by remote viewing, I could see this ship right over the built, the whole building of the hotel. And this beam of light shot down in the room, hit this creature and then expanded out so this white light is going out through the entire building expanding out and that thing was gone and i've never seen it since wow, wow. step uh, and and the reason he watches out for me here's the thing he's told me um he's been working with me to help raise my consciousness and awareness and abilities so that I can in turn share that information and train other people and help them to raise their vibration and raise their consciousness, because that is another one of their prime directives for the planet is right. to help people advance. And uh, so he keeps me alive for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's amazing. And that is the most important thing right now because it is. Yeah. And uh, I think it's great that you're, you know, you're continuing that mission for him. So, and has he mentioned anything about being from Venus? Is that information true or is, is that not the case? It's, it's kind of true. It's, um, he, that was a stopping off point. He did live inside Venus, not on the outside, but inside. And there's a colony there, but he's much older than people probably realize he's an immortal being and he came from somewhere else way way before that from another solar system a long long time ago before he spent a long time on venus and he actually the 1957 event was not his first time here mm -hmm. he's been to the earth for extended periods of time over millennia very so some of these myths about the thor myth you know uh and mythology mm. i'm kind of wondering if that wasn't actually him actually him yeah, it was actually him probably yeah uh, i mean we there's we've heard that thor was an et like even stargate sg1 talks about you know yeah it's disclosure thor from probably. mythology being an et but mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And that would make sense. We've heard the same type of information from like Thoth, mm -hmm. like showing up at different points in history as being immortal. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So you've done yeah, a lot of field investigating with MUFON. 
And I think it's really cool that you are a field investigator because you bring something different to the table than I guess somebody who's more analytical or science scientific. You have this ability to um, kind of look at these um, uh, in cases through a different lens. So have you seen anything like, obviously you guys are looking for the craft or evidence that something happened, but have you had any encounters with any of the ETs involved? Um, what have you seen? Anything that stands out? Yeah. Well, let me explain first that I use both sides of my brain equally. So with MUFON, MUFON once uh, is interested in doing scientific investigations of UFOs. Yeah. So when uh, it, for any in any official capacity, that is exactly what I do. I use all all the equipment, et cetera. And we and we do everything by the letter, but occasionally something bizarre happens when I'm on an investigation, and there is, you know, uh, I will see things uh, as as you know, along with the witness. I've got a couple of cases I can mention to you that really were uh, quite different. While I was on an investigation with one other investigator. And the son of a man that I know very well, the son was the witness. So I went to meet him. It was kind of out of out of the city, out of Kansas City, in a rural area with they have big yards and the houses are far apart. And they had a dust to dawn light in the backyard. Well, the area where this person saw this object was a tree that was maybe a hundred feet away. And was over that tree, and then it it shot off in a direction. Well, while I was there, I felt a presence. I knew something was there with us, and um, I wanted to really get a good look at that tree. But as it got darker and darker, that dust of dawn light was super bright, and I just said, "Oh, I wish that light wasn't on. Is there any way to turn it off?" And he said, "No, there's no switches anywhere. It's just an automatic thing." And so, and then a few minutes later, I'm looking and it's just really bothered me. And I said, gosh, I wish that thing would, would go off and boom, the light went down to about one third of its brightness. And we looked at each other and, and he says, uh, what just happened? Mm -hmm. I said, I said, you don't have any like automatic thing that turns it down. He goes, no, 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 we, we can't control that thing. And uh, the other investigator was freaking out a little bit. And uh, so that was one. That was one case. I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but I have found that since I've had contact with, well, multiple ETs, not just Thor, but uh, several, um, I affect electricity. I affect computers. I can either break them or fix them. Uh, cell phones, things like that. Uh, anything that's electrical or electromagnetic in nature, I can have an effect on uh, if I want to. And sometimes if I don't want to, that it just yeah. happens. So I've heard it could have, yeah, that like, that, that could have been me thinking uh, as, you know, as I'm kind of leaning towards, towards that, but there was a presence there. I know it. Uh, we just didn't see it. So case number two is in Sugar Creek, Missouri. There's a lady who has constant 
contact and UFOs right over her house. E.T.'s inside of her house looking out that she's getting a picture of. E.T.'s outside. And so we went as a team. There were four investigators and the witness. So there's five of us. Towards the end of the evening, we were all tired, but we saw this object in the sky that kept moving back and forth very slowly. It was very big. It was like four times the size of Venus and, you know, pretty close to us. So I'm sitting in a chair and there was another investigator who stood to my right and he was a little bit behind. Uh, and I'm looking forward and in my peripheral vision. I see what I think is his bald head leaning over. And I thought maybe he dropped something. So I look over. It's not him. It is an E.T. And I guess he was maybe three feet tall. And he was looking at the same thing we were. It was it was like it was comical. He was looking at this thing in the sky. And I just kind of freaked out for a minute and I couldn't see him anymore. I jumped out of my chair and I said, tell me you guys saw that. And it, nobody saw it. Nobody else saw it. So I sat back down. Same thing happens again. And then the third time it happened, each time I'm thinking it's this guy bending over, right? The third time it happened, this ET turned to me and gave me this smirk. Hmm. Like, I'm here. What are you going to do about it? And I jumped out of my chair. I said, okay, I'm done for the evening. Now I wish that I had stayed because I realized later what happened was I was in, I was tired and I was in a meditative state. So I changed my consciousness and that's why I saw this being mm. and the other people did not. And so <clears throat> the witness has her camera with her and she says, Oh, did it look like this? As she pulled the picture up on the camera and she had taken a picture of an ET next to a tree. It was him. It was exactly this guy. I said, this guy lives here. He's staying here with you. That's why you're getting pictures of him. That's the guy, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that was kind of crazy. And the other investigators make fun of me all the time because I jumped out of my chair. I said, okay, we're done. <laughs> I, I'm out of here. Um, so do you think he's just existing like it's kind of like in another dimension or just outside of our visible yeah. spectrum? How does that work? Yeah, he's existing. He's in the fifth dimension mm -hmm. and he's there all the time. And this gal, uh, she is psychic and she is she puts herself into a meditative state. And that's why she's seen these craft and these ETs. She's seen multiple ETs no matter where she lives. She's lived in now three different houses in the same city, and they follow her. Um, you know, I'm sure they would follow her anyway. And by the way, she's part Native American as well, and she plays the Native American flute. So when she's she's doing this, she's putting herself into um, a different, an altered state mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, having communication with these things. Yeah. Have you had any experiences with witnessing like a, some sort of a portal or a gateway um yes <laughs> yep yeah yeah i've seen that i have a portal at my house we discovered it in 1987 not long after we moved in and inside and outside the house on a wall but you can usually see it just from the outside it looks like a swirl pattern it's generally opened in the fall time of the year um but it 
and you know, it can close it or, or open at any time. And twice it has appeared as a four pane window. Mm-hmm. And when I got the book, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's about the Skinwalker Ranch. It's about, it, it was written by the family that lived there. Okay. And one of the things they've actually got a picture in that book there. So here's a picture of the portal. It was a four pane window floating in the middle of the, the ground, you know, their ranch. Right. And I thought, Whoa, I, I've got one of those too. And, uh, oddly we have seen many things come in and out of that, that can't be explained that animals that some of them are, you you would recognize like a big black panther. Mm-hmm. And so here's this portal. It's maybe 15 inches wide. But coming out of it is a full-grown black panther that walks across my deck. And, and this is always what they do, these creatures. They walk across the deck, go out into my driveway. And at a certain point in the driveway, they disappear. You can't see them anymore. Sounds exactly like Skimwalker ranch that same thing happens same mm-hmm. type of anomaly yep yeah and to me i'm thinking that they're going from one dimension to another and they're just using this as a gateway sasquatch does the same thing and right oh yeah definitely yeah. does they do the same thing yeah yeah so yeah i've seen a portal open <clears throat> at my house i've seen thing. i've seen a little tiny field mouse a black field mouse came out of it once that was like a shadow mouse and everything that that comes out by the way uh well 90% of them are all black and they're three dimensional so this field mouse came out jumped through the door through the door not the door wasn't open okay it jumped through it ran through the house my cat chased it yes and then i had my electric base case in the front room and that thing jumped into the case and my cat is pawing at the base case trying to get to that mouse it was the craziest thing you know um, margie i've yeah. actually had that happen in my living room with a field mouse and my dog's face really? yeah I, I i swear it literally looked like it just came out of the wall and ran across the living room and disappeared and my dogs went crazy chasing this thing but there was no mouse like i looked it could it couldn't it have gone anywhere yeah either <laughs> way was... like, i thought it was the craziest thing and i wondered the same thing like is there like a portal or something it was wild but it must be it must be it's an interdimensional mouse interdimensional right. mouse. Wow. yeah wow. but i've seen et's come in and go out of that thing too and we also think craft do because we have these craft that appear right directly over the top of my house, right where the portal is located, but straight above it, like maybe 500 feet, 1,000 feet. And there's a craft. There's suddenly a triangular craft or something mm-hmm. right overhead. So there's the portal. I think that that's just a representation. I think it's much larger. And I also believe that there is an area around a specific building in independence that's the rlds temple it's a spiral shape it's an extremely odd modern looking shape but this spiral shape i think has created a vortex and we are only half a mile from that my house is Mm. and there's a lot of strange activity that happens within about a mile radius of that building 
So I think that that is really a gigantic portal that has been created. I believe so. I bet it is. And for the listeners who don't know, she's talking about Independence, Missouri, which there's a lot of paranormal activity in that town. Mm -hmm. Uh, You actually wrote a book on it. Yeah, I wrote a book uh, called Haunted Independence. It's about 58 places that I investigated. And uh, it's a lot more haunted than that. There's there's uh, yeah. many more places, but it's uh, it's strange. It's not only haunted, uh, and there's ghosts and spirits, of course, hang around any town, right? But there's an extreme number. And uh, there's also strange creatures that have been sighted, the cryptids that nobody can explain what they look like. There's, there's these weird, creepy, monkey-looking things uh, that people have seen. Uh, around this the area um and different cryptic creatures giant black cats seem to be a deal uh going as as far away as five miles away from here from where i am um and then ufos big Mm -hmm. ufo hotspot and i wrote another book called the kansas city ufo flaps that is about this area being a hotspot and i just finished another book in collaboration with Debbie Zillemeyer called the Southeast Missouri UFO flap. Uh, no, Southeast Missouri Ozarks UFO flap, <laughs> uh, which occurred in 1973. And uh, that uh, somehow I just had to say we're stopping because there was so much. Because the state of Missouri is just so so busy that um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna write a whole other book about everything that's going on in this state. Right, right. It is. Yeah, we're we're here in St. Louis. It's the hot spot for sure. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier when he brought up Sasquatch, um, you seem to understand that they travel through this portal system as well. Have you had any other any other experiences with uh, Sasquatch? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That story. Um, I always believed that there had to be something to it. And I had always been interested in Sasquatch, but I never had an encounter until I want to say this was around 2014 when this happened, 13, something like that. I, I got a call from a paranormal investigator group south of Kansas City, about 100 miles. And uh, they were in a small town. There are two policemen who run this group and their wives. And they called me because they had a strange experience that they couldn't explain. So I instantly knew, I remote viewed it uh, to see, because... Before I travel anywhere, I'm going to remote view to see if this is some a really true case or if the people have imagined something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I knew something had happened. So I called Debbie Ziegelmeyer, uh, who's the state director in St. Louis, and I asked her to go with me on this case because I knew something was up. So the story is there one of the team's son, who's a grown man, had gone out hunting in this area that's a conservation area off of 49 Highway South. It's a very little known, I didn't even know it existed. And uh, he and his buddy split up and he kind of hunkered down next to a tree 
and there was a clearing and then across the clearing were the woods again so he was waiting for deer to come out when he sees a large sasquatch come out of the woods and he said it was about eight feet tall uh, it was black fur couldn't have been anything else it was massive and uh had a sagittal crest and it was going along picking berries and then it went back in the woods so he took note of the height of it compared to one of the branches on the trees he gets out of there and he also notices that there's a pile of bones and it's looks like it's all deer bones but it's a massive pile of bones so he tells his parents about this and they said okay we're going to go investigate so they went out about two or three days later he the guy shows him where the sasquatch had been they found some hair and they found the tree branch and they measured the height it was about eight feet tall so they said well we're gonna we're gonna hang out they brought all their paranormal equipment which by the way is really good for ufo hunting as well as paranormal so they had night vision cameras and, and everything. So they're in this clearing and now it's dark. They're taking video and these balls of light start appearing in the woods and the balls of light would come up to the camera, like look around and they go back. They could see about half of them with the naked eye, but they could see a lot more through the camera lens. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to figure out what this is, but then all of a sudden now, they took a 45-minute video that they showed me. All of a sudden, you see the camera go up to the sky. Now, and there's a light, and you hear them talking, and they're saying, what's that light? I don't know, probably a helicopter. Well, I don't think so. Maybe it's a plane. You know, they're trying to figure out what this is. And then you see other lights come on around it. And there's, and there's, so then they're talking about, you see how this light is all of a sudden over here? And they thought these lights were going back and forth, back and forth. Well, when I'm looking at this video, I am seeing a pattern. This was not a bunch of different UFOs flashing and going from one place to another. It was one gigantic mothership. Mm. And the lights were simply going off and on in different parts of it. And then when they looked at it, they all they agreed, yeah, that's a pattern. They were like wedge patterns, triangle patterns and then making a big circle. So here we have Sasquatch sighting, orb sightings, UFO, exact same place. I don't find that coincidental. There no. has to be some connection with that. And so fast forward about a year later, I just, you know, chalked it up. Kiwani went uh, spoke at a St. Louis MUFON meeting. Maybe you saw it. Uh, she, Debbie brought him in on Zoom. I don't know if and, I saw that one, but I, I remember I remember seeing the meeting on the email, but I didn't get to make it to that one. Oh, boy. Something told me, uh, you know, my spidey sense said, you have to be there. You know, and it could have even been Thor that was encouraging me to go. So I went to that meeting I got his book called The Psychic Sasquatch. Found out you could telepathically communicate with them. I said, well, I wonder, maybe I'll remote view that spot to see if there really is a Sasquatch there. So I did. And I see this male 
black, all black Sasquatch go towards a big, big, huge tree, pull some brush aside, go in underneath the tree roots, and inside is a female who is in labor. And he, and there's another smaller Sasquatch standing there, a child standing. He had brought a leaf full of water to the female and gave her the water. And I I backed out of there and uh, I said, wow, that that was super interesting. I had uh, no communication with them at that time. And then later on, after I read The Psychic Sasquatch, I decided to try to have a communication. And so I asked if that male Sasquatch would speak to me and he's standing in front of me instantly, all transparent. And this is like an in-between dimension appearance that these things have when you see them. So, and and also for me, my what I believe is when you put yourself into an altered state of consciousness, you're meeting them halfway between dimensions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have had a relationship with him and the clan for years. He eventually introduced me to the elder of the clan. He wanted to meet me. He said, she's okay. So then they showed me seven of their clan members, which was a very, very strange situation. I was on the deck of my uh, house and meditating, and I saw this, uh, it looked like a collage of different Sasquatch each face was different. It, there were fi- females and males, and they were just going around in a circle. And it, one would show up in the middle, and then the next one would would show itself. And they were like introducing themselves to me. This is their clan. And they knew that um, I didn't mean them any harm. I, and I, I genuinely wanted to have communication and find out about them. And they've told me all kinds of things about themselves. Um about you know where they hang out that they have meetings once a year with a with a larger group that uh the female um who i met later uh the female shaman is the leader of the group and she when i have been ill and asked for help she has come in to work on healing me and she has is training me how to do certain things, how to do healing work. She's also brought her two sons with her who are young teenagers, and she's training them to be shaman. And I think the the weirdest thing, I can talk to them anytime I want. Um, and if there's a warning about something for me, they will be there. They have assigned this really tall, very scary looking Sasquatch to me hmm. and they said his name is Bear and he is my protector. They said you don't have to worry about anything anymore. He is always there and I've seen him several times and I'm like, okay, I know you're there. Could you just not show yourself? <laughs> because <laughs> he's at least 10 feet tall. Wow. Uh, just a massive guy. That's right. amazing. Yeah, it sounds like you have quite the 
communication going on with a lot of different beings. That's really awesome. Uh, we know it's possible. Um, we don't often hear somebody who's in communication with so many different um, beings, but you know, you've had like your ability has been um, obviously recognized by law enforcement, private investigators. They've used you. It's accurate. It works. I mean, so there's yeah. something going on with you. And I think it's really awesome that you're sharing it so bravely with it. I mean, cause a lot of people might just think you're nuts, but you know, we don't, I yeah. definitely. Well, you know, when you get to a certain age, you don't care anymore what people think. Right, so, right. you know, I kept this quiet for a long time. I really didn't come out until, you know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, but even, even then I didn't tell everything. So, you know, a lot of this might be new to people. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, you have to talk about it. Like it, it's where the place now, like the age of transparency, like right. just be, just speak yeah. your truth no. regardless of what people think. Yeah. Right. And so I, I noticed when I was reading your bio that uh, you, you mentioned you were writing a book called, I think the little people and tiny UFOs or something along those lines. Yeah. And I remember at one point, I think at one of the MUFON meetings, Maybe Debbie showed a photograph of an orb, or maybe it was you, and it looked like there was a little ET even inside the orb. Yeah. So is that kind of what you're writing about in this book, the same type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That What you saw was a picture that Debbie took on one of my cases in Kansas City. And since then, I have taken photos of cases where there are orbs, and then you can see a little tiny ET inside of it. Like he's at a console driving the craft. Yeah. And at first, uh, I thought that this was an actual craft. And then the glow that we see around it uh, is just a light that's produced uh, maybe from the propulsion system or something like that. But then since I've remote viewed it recently, and what I'm seeing is that there's a larger craft a long ways away and that that ET is actually sending his consciousness out to to like do a probe or do an investigation or you know whatever they're doing exploring. here on the planet right. yeah they're exploring uh but the physical being is not in that in that orb the physical being is somewhere else and probably before. interdimensional i've heard that before that a lot of ETs have the ability to do that project yeah. consciousness out yeah, but I've collected a number of tiny ET, tiny uh, UFO cases, so that's why I'm working on a book about it. Even my uh, my brother had two UFOs come through his walls at different times, and in one of the cases, uh, one of the UFOs came in. It was about ten inches in diameter. And it went around the room flashing a light like it was taking pictures. It would go to a corner, flash a light, go to another corner, flash a light. And then it hovered over he and his wife while they're lying in bed and they both saw it. And there's uh, a window in the in the front of the thing. And there's teeny tiny ETs, beings inside of this craft looking out at them. And he said this was a physical, hard, rock solid item or craft that came through a wall and then it left through the wall in the exact same place it came in. So that had to be a portal of some type uh, that they were coming in and out of. And uh, yeah, I've collected a number of very strange reports of tiny craft. Right. 
Um, mm -hmm. Emery Smith used to talk about little tiny, like four inch tall right. ETs and little craft and all this stuff. And not many people talk about them, you know, so tiny. So it's interesting you're talking yeah. about that as well. Remember the little skeleton they Stephen well, Greer it was the Atacama, Atacama mummy yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, little tiny beans. And I, I think that there were some recently found too, recently found that look like ET skeletons. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that people are going to find more and more, actually. I think yeah. more is going to be revealed in the coming days, especially uh, as disclosure approaches. Uh, while, while, while we're on tiny things, we might as well just throw fairies into the mix, too. Like, oh, yeah. We've spent some time at East Eddy Ranch, uh, maybe even seen some. I've seen photographs of them. That sparkles taken, in the tree line. That I'm pretty taken sure. from trusted yeah. people. The one photograph is almost like it's very compelling. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you had any experience with uh, fairies? Yes, I have. I had, as a child, growing up at my grandparents' house, uh, I guess I was 10, my sister was eight, and we used to sleep with the windows open, but the screens are still shut. And this two fairies came in through the screen, through one of the windows. One of them went to my sister, one went to me. The, the one had blonde hair, went to my sister, my sister had blonde hair. The dark-haired one came to me, and I had dark hair at the time. And we are both looking, and they're just right there in your face. Uh, had they had to slow down because they move very, very quickly. And and it's a it's one of those things where you would think it was a bug or a moth or something because they move so fast until they want you to see them and they slowed down. They were definitely there to let us know that they existed, and then they both flew out the other window. And I'm like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. So I we get out of bed, we go to the kitchen with my mother and my grandmother, and we tell them what we just saw. And my grandmother says, oh, yeah, the fairies live outside this window next to the lilies of the valley. And that's why I planted them there, because that's their favorite flower. Well, my grandmother was Italian. And and I guess that that is some tradition that Italians brought from Italy. And sure enough, some weird things happened around that area. And the the weirdest, I'll just tell you one. Later on. When my two daughters were also aged eight and 10, I had moved in with my grandmother to help take care of her before she passed. And they were chasing each other around the house, and which is a game we used to play when we were kids. And, you know, I was outside in the yard working and my grandmother was there and we were, you know, working on the garden. And of course, the oldest, my oldest daughter was the fastest. So she was the first. Well, at one point, my youngest daughter comes running around the corner and stops dead in her tracks. She goes, where's Maria? I said, well, you were chasing her. She goes, yeah, I was behind her just this second. She just turned around the corner. Where is she? So we spent 45 minutes. And that's, and by the way, that place is right in front of where the lilies of the valley were. Uh, we spent 45 minutes looking for that child everywhere. The whole house, the basement, attic, everything. The neighbors were looking. I was getting ready to call the police, and I start to head inside the house. When she comes running around the corner, and she stops dead because Rachel, my youngest daughter, is now in a different place, okay? And she says, what's going on? 
where did where did how did Rachel get in front of me? Okay. Wow. She had no clue that 45 minutes of time had just passed. She thought it was just that second before. Holy and wow. That's yeah. Crazy. We yeah, we had other things happen too around that area. Fairies are nothing to mess with. You can look <laughs> at them, but don't get involved with them and don't follow wherever they are because yeah. weird stuff will happen. That's wow. That's wild. I mean, we hear like whenever I started getting into all this stuff, fairies was one thing that wasn't on my radar. And I was surprised to see how much it showed up. And mm -hmm. like, it was one of the things that really, it was like the hardest thing for me to grasp at first, but then it was like, okay, well, I, like, I can't, I even think I might've seen one in my house at one time. Uh, I saw this little, uh, this, what looked like an insect, but it was chasing a bird and I've never seen an insect chase a bird. And it was just the weirdest thing. And I watched it and it, that thought came into my head. I'm like, well, maybe that was a fairy. And then later that day I was in my backyard and I heard this little, like little squeak type of noise. And this thing came flying out. Like I had some flowers behind my AC unit and it came flying out past me. I couldn't see it for all. I know it was a bug, but I'd never heard that noise before. And I was like, I wonder if I'm like experiencing this fairy today. No, I have no way to prove it or disprove it, but uh, I've seen that. Okay, picture. I just remote viewed it. I seen oh, that. It you? was yes, it was. <laughs> there yes. you go. Really? Yes. See, when you uh, when you develop your consciousness to a certain level and you have you vibrate at a certain rate, everything is going to happen to you. Not just seeing UFOs or ETs. Everything that's right. out there is going to become visible. You'll see yeah. more colors. Um, things will seem very bright. Like to me now, sunlight is so bright that I can hardly stand it. Mm. Uh, and I see multiple, multiple colors as well as I have synesthesia. So I see music and I hear color as well. And all of those things start happening. Yeah. And I've, I do have a lot of crazy stuff happen over the years. I mean, and it does sound wild. Like when you start telling your stories, you know, people will think this guy's nuts or, you know, but it's true. Like the more, I guess, the further along you get into this, more things start happening and things that you don't expect yeah. and you can't explain and you're never looking for them. You know, most of the time it just like somehow shows up. I mean, I believe, you know, when you're telling your stories, I definitely, I'm feeling into it and I believe I, I have no reason not to believe it. And it's very compelling. And I, I just think it's incredible that you're able to share it all and remember it all like that. Yeah. And uh, someday I'm trying to this year, get my book done. <laughs> I'm I'm right. doing everybody else's books. <laughs> I've got to get mine done. Right. Me too. We both are. Yeah. Doing working our own, on a book too. Are you? Yeah. Um, have you this one last question? Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, I heard you, are you familiar with the ET hybrid program Yes. where, you know, they're, they're abducting women and the whole hybrid, you know, mm -hmm. have you ever remote viewed or looked into that? We're having someone speak at our conference on the subject, but it's just something that I've always been interested in. Could you maybe elaborate on anything that you've seen? Well, I had experience with that myself when I was younger. Okay. And so I think I was involved in that program. But I've also spoken to a number of women. Um, I have, I only know of one man that personally that this happened to, uh, well, or maybe two, 
but all the rest are women. I maybe 20 women I've spoken to were involved in this program. And some of them wanted me to remote view, and I did, and I got information. And it in most cases, the women are <clears throat> very nervous about it, very afraid. They don't want it to keep going on. Um, or they have they kind of have PTSD. Uh, and so usually what I find out is it was not as scary as they thought that they agreed to help out with this program and, uh, they're not, they're not trying to hurt women. Okay. So if anything, in, in a couple of cases, I know women who were physically harmed by it. And uh, that was not intentional. They didn't intend to do that. So were you able to see how they were pulling this off? Like, um, like if they're, are they cutting some, cutting them open, removing the child? I mean, how does that work? No, um, they are uh, going on the inside into the womb extracting a fetus, injecting their DNA into the fetus, and then putting it back to incubate for a period of time, which is very, like two months, three at the max. And then they return to extract the fetus. And so there should be no residual uh, scarring or anything like that, but I do know a couple of cases where there was. Um, now, with me, I had a very bizarre thing happen when I was 20 years old. I was pregnant with my second child, and I got the German measles for the second time, by the way. I had it when I was a kid. should not have gotten it again. And that can cause mental retardation in an infant. And so I went to the doctor. He said, the child's going to be mentally retarded. And um, that was it. Well, a voice spoke to me, right? And I think it was Thor. Because his voice has been like with me my entire life, even though I didn't know who he was until much later. Um, he said, everything's going to be okay. So I completely relaxed about it. I knew that everything was going to be okay. A couple weeks later, my husband at the time, my first husband, worked nights. And so, and I was a night owl because I was, uh, I'm a musician and we would always be up till three o'clock in the morning, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm up at three o'clock in the morning reading a book. And I was just thinking... I need to I need to get some sleep. I need to turn the light off, get some sleep. Now, my oldest daughter was about 18 months old, and she was in her crib in uh, another room. When suddenly I see a blue-white light coming in the window, and I look up at the window. The next thing I know, I'm looking back at my book, and I'm on the same page, and I look at the clock, and it's 4.30 a.m., I had an hour and a half of missing time. My elbow wasn't hurting. My arm wasn't hurting. I was in the same position. I'm like, what the heck? 
And then I started getting this pins and needles all over that drove me nuts. I got in a, a bath with some baking soda that didn't stop it. I called my husband. I said, you got to take me to the hospital. Something is very wrong. So he drives home from work. We get in our little Volkswagen Beetle. It starts pouring down rain. And it was a very odd rain. It was warm. It was very warm. We get on a highway. He blows out two tires on the highway. He has to get out of that car and walk for a couple of miles in the blinding rain to get to a, a payphone to call my uncle to come get us to take me to the hospital. In the meantime, a sheriff pulls up on the side of the road, on the other side of the road. We're on the left side where we shouldn't be, but that's how the, you know, the tires blew out. So he's on the right side. He's not coming to help. So I got out of the vehicle and I'm waving, waving, waving to come help. He takes off and leaves. Wow. So I, so in the meantime, I've gotten soaked by this rain, this warm rain. Get back in the car. Finally, get me to the hospital. There's nothing. They don't see anything. I don't have a fever. They're, they can't figure out what's going on. The doctor says, have you been under stress lately? You know how they mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Yeah. I say, okay, just get me out of here. So they get me back home. The minute I get back home, I, I get sick. So I called my mother. I said, you need to come over here and take care of my other daughter and, because I'm sick. She comes over. My husband is asleep in the other room. She's in the other room. I'm getting sicker and sicker. She only comes in and checks on me a couple of times. My temperature is going up and up and up until it gets to 106. And at that point, I couldn't move anymore and I couldn't speak and I couldn't ask for help. And I feel my body, my and and my entire body now has this red sunburn that looks like a third degree sunburn over my whole body. I feel my body rising up and I I I was dying. I was leaving my body. That was it. And then all of a sudden I slammed back down into my body and it hurt. And everything went away. The red rash went away. The fever went away. I wasn't sick anymore. I was perfectly fine. And then um, life went on. Several years later, I find out what the symptoms are of radiation. Right. I had radiation poisoning. So I wondered what the heck happened. And I went under hypnosis. And I found out what happened. That blue-white light brought two ETs into the room. They took a blue laser pen, a red, no, a red laser pen, cut my stomach open, took the fetus out, and I could see it being held in one of their hands. And he took this device that looked like, looked like a stamp, but it had a bunch of lights on the bottom of it. And he waved it back and forth with these lights over the fetus puts it back in. Then they take a blue pin light, like a laser, and seal that, that up, and there's no scar. There was no scar left from that. They had interfered so that my daughter would not be mentally retarded. 
And in fact, she's extremely intelligent. And I know for a fact that they did that to, to yeah. subvert that situation. That's incredible. Wow. That's incredible. And yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering because if the fetus is removed, like there would be some sort of technology that wouldn't leave a scar. That's why I didn't understand how they were accomplishing this. So that that would make that would explain that if that's how they're every every case is I'm sure different. But well, every in that case, I guess that's how they had to do it. But I believe in all of the other cases, or, or most of them at least, it would be a you know a vaginal entry. It wouldn't be a cutting okay. open. I see. Mm. I see. Well, Marty, this has been, it's been amazing, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. I don't think I've said wow so many times on an episode. <laughs> right. um, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared yeah. today and coming and joining uh, joining us on the show. Can you please let people know how they can follow you? Tell them about Unex Radio, uh, where they can find your books, all all of that. Uh, my my website is margiek.com. And uh, all of the links to my radio show and my books and um, appearances, places I'm going to be, conferences, things like that are going to be there. So it's M-A-R-G-I-E-K-A-Y.com. And then my show is Unex News on the Unex Network at unxnetwork.com. And on YouTube, uh, the YouTube channel is Un-X Network mm-hmm. for that. Um, I also have a publishing company called Unex Media, and that's at unexmedia.com. We only publish books about paranormal. So I'm, I'm look, looking for other authors, and if somebody's interested, they can contact me through one of those websites. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this was a pleasure. Yeah, it was you. really great talking to you. Maybe we'll do it again in the future someday. Uh, obviously, there'll be no shortage of things to talk about. So. Um, Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We love you all. Uh, Don't forget, tickets are still available for our conference in May uh, in Grafton, Illinois. If you want to come join us and hang out with us, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to seeing everyone there. Uh, Until next time, have a great evening and good night. Good night, guys. There was a CIA director named William Colby, who in the 1980s said, we'll know our disinformation campaigns are successful when everything the American people believe is fake. When we realize how powerful we are when we set our intentions and we realize that we aren't just this, we are just these multi-dimensional light beings and time is an illusion and you know, it's everything's a perception then you can go forward and backwards and and embody it and just pop out and go and do this work. You can do amazing things when we set the right intentions to do it. And I said, this is, this is us on this plane. You know, like that's what this is. We're going to the moon. And he said, this thing is a lot older than you think it is. And we've been going to the moon a long time, but I wrote on it. I knew that we went to the moon. And so I always knew there was a base on the moon from a young age. And our DNA is a complex, recording system of the history of the entire universe the history you know of of everything that not just this timeline that we know but multiple timelines of reality there are a total of nine different categories of planets uh, in the universe 
Uh, we people on Earth, we are living on a category one planet, like elementary school students, and the Theobans, they are living on a category nine planet, like、uh, college professors. So they have been really guiding us throughout history. Tilcom let us know that this facility under the Sandia Mountain is considered an information station for interstellar travelers coming to the planet. They tell us that their facility was retrofitted into the ancient tunnel system that already existed. And as far as the bending the space-time continuum. I've had something like that happen, and what seemed like about a five-minute encounter has been four and a half hours of missing time, and I was completely conscious. And when you're dealing with a Type Three, Type Four, Type Five civilizations that can work with the different coexisting timelines, all bets are off, man. <laughs> you know, every time we have Bigfoot activity out there, we're having ETs and orbs and stuff like that. We have a lot of the stuff documented. As a matter of fact,、um, I'm a member of three different teams, and I work with people from all over the country, out in the field. And、um, we actually have documented a portal, something that we consider to be a portal、um, opening, and we sent two of our team members inside of it. Really? It disappeared, and then. Came back out. I would suggest that we take it one step further and say humanity has never known who we are. We've always been in the thought control matrix. And one step further, perhaps we could say that we're in a conscious, consciously controlled state of hypnosis. In other words, are the thought control matrix creators constantly bombarding us with frequencies that keep us from being telepathic, that keep us from remembering who we are? The thought control matrix was set up, and we have never known our potential, our power, our、yeah. beauty, our, our our incredible connection. It makes no sense at all. There is no reason for it other than the programming that we've received for generations, because it's all about order. It's all about listen to listen to your elders, listen to the teachers, listen to the adults, listen, listen, listen. And what that does is it it dims the light of the child. And it makes them feel like they don't have a voice. And why that's designed that way by the dark side, and that's in the system, is so that they grow up and they just listen to, and they do what they're told, and they're good little boys and good little girls, and they lose their sense of self. They lose their north, their true north.、Yeah. So many adults are walking around in the, in this world, they don't know who they are. So the planet itself is now beginning to split. It's beginning to divide again into a higher vibrational Earth and a lower vibrational Earth. And the race of man is dividing with it, and we're becoming less and less aware of one another. And over time, what will happen? And I don't know how long this will be. One world will have all higher vibrational beings on it, and the other one will all be third-dimensional beings, and we will not perceive each other anymore. <laughs>